Hello, this is Jim Wallace, and you're listening to a special edition of The Soul of a Nation, a podcast about how our faith should shape our politics and not the other way around. Today, I'm speaking with Reverend Dr. Cynthia Hale um, about how to sustain our spirits, how to sustain our lives, our spiritual lives, our foundations in this COVID-19 crisis. I'm really pleased to have the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Hale with us today. She's the founder and senior pastor of the Ray of Hope Christian Church. What a great name. In Decatur, Georgia. As a woman of vision, Dr. Hale is revered worldwide for her prophetic and pastoral leadership, her integrity, and her compassion. So welcome, dear sister Cynthia. How's your spirit these days? Well, my spirit is strong today. It's... um. There, I have my moments. I've been in my home now for 50 days and going out only to do worship. And so um, there are days when I feel sad. But today, I am joyful. On a recent call with pastors, uh, we had at Sojourners a, a call, uh, 160 pastors came on this call from around the country. These are local pastors. And you shared some very wise advice about how to sustain ourselves during this pandemic. You talked about rest and Sabbath, things that activist pastors often don't think enough about. And I was so struck with your reflection. It felt so timely for us right now. Uh, Pastors are often on the front lines. I would say they're first responders in many ways in this pandemic. The first people that others come to, and so much is on pastors to preach and lead and teach and look after the most vulnerable and make sure no one's being left out, that social distancing doesn't produce social isolation for their people. It's it's a bigger job in some ways, pastors tell me, than before it went remote. So could you share that reflection, which I was very moved by, with our listeners here today? Sure. Thank you, Jim, for this precious opportunity to share a word of encouragement and support to our colleagues who are faithfully doing ministry in the midst of this pandemic. Genesis, the first chapter, verses 31 through the second chapter, verse three says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing so On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And in the gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter, verses 30 through 31, we find these words. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Today marks my 50th day in my home, leaving only to stream worship at the church on Sunday mornings, an occasional trip to the grocery store and Starbucks for tea and pumpkin bread, one of my guilty pleasures. 
After returning from a conference in Nashville, Tennessee, I discovered how serious this coronavirus is. And in consultation with a doctor in my church, the decision was made to stop having public gatherings at the church and move all of our activities online. I didn't want anyone contracting the virus while at church. The staff was told that we would be working from home, and initially I was ecstatic about this. I was exhausted and thought this was a perfect opportunity for me to get some much-needed rest. I was wrong. I haven't worked this hard in my entire life. The Zoom and conference calls have been nonstop. Since they are the primary way that we connect with one another, everyone I know has wanted to meet, pray, worship, work, and even play on Zoom. I sometimes have two or three Zoom calls a day. At one point, I said to myself, I cannot do another Zoom call. When I'm not on a Zoom call, I'm administering the affairs of the church, supervising the staff from afar, commiserating with the comptroller to make sure we have enough money to pay our bills, consulting with leaders who want to know what's going on, but aren't all that interested in doing anything about it providing pastoral care to the sick and shut-in, listening to the concerns of those who just need to talk to their pastor, and comforting those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Fortunately, I've not had to conduct any funerals, but I know that many of you have. While this pandemic has put everything else on hold, the one thing it couldn't touch is Sunday. Sunday has come around faithfully every seven days, requiring an intelligent and faithful sermon for fearful congregants from a pastor who is experiencing for the first time the joy of preaching in an empty sanctuary. The emotional strain of this experience has been undeniable as I've anxiously prayed for my own safety as well as others, particularly my 91-year-old mother who keeps asking me why she can't go to the dollar store. The uncertainty is a beast. The questions are unending. When will this whole thing be over? Will the people keep giving? What will life and the church be like? Will people come back to church? One day when I was feeling overwhelmed by it all, my Apple watch vibrated. And when I looked at it, it simply said, breathe. It told me to take a minute to breathe. I would feel better if I would just breathe. I said to myself, this watch is anointed. Whether you have an Apple watch or not, all of us need to receive this message on a regular basis and particularly right now. We all need to take time to breathe because as ministers, we spend our lives in perpetual motion, sometimes without stopping to even catch our breath. Consequently, we are often out of our minds, frustrated because we have so little energy to do everything we need and want to do, walking around like zombies with little appreciation for life and living. And then we wonder why we have such a short fuse, easily set off over the least little thing. It's simple. We're tired. I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, I can't think straight. My emotions are on edge and I feel like I'm coming apart at the seams. When we are tired, we find ourselves going in circles, spinning our wheels, not making much progress at all, and definitely not being very effective at anything. It's because our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual batteries are depleted. You know that something has to change. You can't keep going on like this. You need a break. You need to breathe. It's okay to admit it. When you are tired, know before you get tired, 
the appropriate thing to do, the God thing to do is to find some time for rest, relaxation, and recreation. Even God took a break. The passage we just read in Genesis 1 makes that clear. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six days. In six days, God finished his work. In six days, God had accomplished what he set out to do when he dreamed of a world. When it was finished, God rested. May I suggest that every one of us who desires to be godly needs to take a lesson from the way God operated? At the completion of a week's work, God took a day for himself away from creation, away from work to rest. Every one of us needs to take at least eight hours a day, one day a week and a month a year, even if you can't take it all at the same time to rest, relax and be renewed. I'm serious. You need a break from the routine, the rigors of ministry on a regular basis, not every now and then like you've been doing. The problem with this for some of you is that you never feel like you're finished. Your life and ministry feel like one ongoing swirl of activity, especially now that you are working at home. You just keep going. What is helpful in this regard is to divide the day into three parts. There are 24 hours in a day. Divide 24 by three and you get eight. Eight hours are to be spent working, eight hours sleeping, eight hours eating, reading, watching a movie, playing words with friends or whatever you want to do to relax. Just breathe. Vance Havner says, you need to come apart before you come apart. In Mark 6, the disciples of Jesus had just finished the missionary tour, preaching, teaching, healing the sick and driving out demons. This was their occupation, their calling as followers of Christ. When they came back to Jesus to report all they had accomplished, he suggested that because of the demands that were constantly being placed on them by the crowds, so much so that they didn't even have time to eat, they needed to come apart to a quiet place where they could get some rest. Jesus was God and man, divine and human. In his humanity, he experienced the same things we experience. Jesus got hungry and needed to eat. He got tired and needed to rest. The people were constantly pressing on him with their needs, especially when they discovered that he had the power to meet every one of them. Jesus learned early in his ministry the wisdom of pulling away to take some time for himself. He would go up into the mountains, take a boat ride, or go to Bethany to visit his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus knew the importance of breathing. With all of the pressures placed on us, every one of us needs to find some time when we are unavailable and cannot be found. This is not easy for some of us. Some of us think and act as if we're indestructible. We think we're invincible. Whether you believe it or not, you are not the Energizer Bunny. You can't keep on going indefinitely. You cannot continue the pace that you have been keeping, being all things to all people, in control of every situation, and not fall apart burn out or become physically sick, discouraged, or depressed. When is the last time you spent the whole day doing nothing but what you wanted to do? 
Doing nothing is hard for some of us because we were raised to believe that doing nothing or staying in bed late means that you are lazy. Now, if that's all you do, you are lazy. But we have to learn that doing nothing at regular intervals is healthy. As smart as we are as humans, there are times when we don't seem to understand that our bodies cannot keep on going ad infinitum without showing signs of fatigue, stress, and weariness through heart disease, high blood pressure, and a number of other physical, mental, and emotional problems. We have to be concerned about our overall health. We will self-destruct if we do not learn to take better care of ourselves. I read somewhere that most of what ails us can be cured through proper diet, exercise, and adequate rest. We are not indestructible, neither are we indispensable. Sometimes we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think to our own detriment. What I mean by this is that we sometimes think that the people we serve won't survive. Those we care for won't know what to do if we don't take care of them. I want you to know that if you shut down one day, life will go on and the people around you will too. They will learn to do all the things that you've been doing for them or find somebody else to do it. We have to learn how to say no. Saying no is difficult for most of us because some of us need to be needed. Others of us fear disappointing or making people angry with us. You cannot please everyone. Jesus couldn't do it, so you know you can't. Did you know that Jesus didn't heal every sick person, didn't deliver all the demon possessed, feed every hungry person or try to win everyone? Jesus did what he was assigned to do and left the rest to someone else. The bottom line is this. God wants us to be better stewards of our time, energy, bodies, emotions, minds, and spirits, which then allows us to give him greater service and be more effective in our living and working. More loving and attentive husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, siblings and friends. For this, we will need balance. This is why Jesus has called us to take seriously the whole notion of the Sabbath. Let me say that again. This is why God has called us to take seriously the whole notion of Sabbath. The word Sabbath, as you are aware, refers to the seventh month, the seventh day, the seventh year. In the economy of God, the number seven is the number of completion. And the seventh day, the seventh month, the seventh year is the time of rest. Going back to the text in Genesis, I told you that when God finished all of God's creative work, God rested. It was the seventh day. In the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word, which means intermission, the day of rest, the holy seventh day. The Israelites were to rest on the seventh day. This for them was a precept, a command, a non-negotiable. The rationale for them to rest was that God rested. In the Bible, the word rest means to sit down, to be still, to breathe. Stillness is a discipline that yields tremendous spiritual as well as physical benefits. If you want to know God intimately, learn how to trust God, his care and provision for you, get still. The psalmist says to us, be still and know that I am God. It's when you are quiet and still 
that God can reveal God's self to you. When you are quiet and still, God speaks. In the stillness, God will encourage you during or after a test or trial, refill you after a strenuous and draining time, renew you and your strength when your energy is depleted, and speak peace to your troubled heart and mind. We know that when God rested, it wasn't because God was tired. God doesn't get tired. God is the everlasting God who does not grow tired or weary. He rested to show us the appropriate thing to do after continuous sustained activity. God built the seventh day week into the order of the universe and established a certain ebb and flow in life for balance. My brothers and sisters, there is an ebb and flow to life. And in order to be healthy, holy, and happy, we must respect and practice balance in our lives by working and resting, working and playing, spending time relating to others, and spending time being still. Oh my. That was the Reverend Dr. Cynthia L. Hale. And I wanted you all to hear that. Uh, I first heard Cynthia giving that as a reflection to a whole call fold pastors, big Zoom call, who are trying to respond to a pandemic. And uh, it was a word that I think we need to hear. So we're blessed. I'm blessed to hear it again today. And I want to unpack that a bit with my friend here. So Cynthia, I was struck when you said God rested and Jesus needed to take a break. <laughs> yeah. That's extraordinary. God rested and Jesus needed a break. That is extraordinary. You know, when I thought about it, I thought, God rested. <laughs> when I first read that scripture years ago, I didn't believe it. I'm, what does this mean? Well, when God finished the work of creating the world, God took a break. I think that God took a break perhaps to rest, but also, Jim, to reflect. To reflect on what he had accomplished. You know, we are so busy with activity all the days of our lives that I don't think that we ever stop to reflect on what has been accomplished what learnings we've gained from all of the activity that we've been involved in. What difference all of our work really means. And when I said that, just told you earlier, you asked me, how was my spirit? And I said, there are some days I'm sad. One of the reasons why I get sad is because I feel like I'm not sure if all that I'm doing is making any difference at all because I'm not taking time <laughs> to really think about what I'm doing. I'm just moving through it. And I think that's what most of us do, just moving through it. And you said we need to breathe, that struck me. We're just moving through it and not breathing. You said we need to breathe. And of course you're talking about the physical act of taking deep breaths, but how do we breathe at a deeper spiritual, emotional level in a crisis? How do we breathe? 
and go more deeply? Well, I've had to learn that because when this thing first started, like I said, I was coming off the road and I was exhausted. And then I had to kick into high gear again to manage this church in the midst of this pandemic and all the other obligations that I have. And so one day though, it struck me that I was so tired. I, in the midst, my computer was open. My iPad was by my side. I was multitasking. My phone was ringing on all of my, <laughs> and I just said, okay, stop. What is it you need to do? Because this isn't working. I went to bed. I got about seven or eight hours of sleep. I woke up. I went into my prayer closet and I spent time reading the word and then just being still. And God began to speak to me and I wept because what I realized was that even my quiet time had been eclipsed and I was just moving through it to get on to the next thing. And I said to myself, you must begin each day with extended quiet time. If it means getting up earlier and I get up early, do whatever it takes. And so we have to, we have to find that time. We have to calendarize it. What I said to my church in a sermon and I was saying it to myself as well, I preached the sermon and I called it, don't miss this moment. God wants time with you and you need time with God. You need time to be still. Moving through it, you just raised that phrase, moving through it is how we would normally relate to a situation like this. It's a crisis, it's a pandemic, it has uh, public health at stake, people's livelihoods at stake. Uh, But instead of moving through it, just you are leading your congregation into a new reality. We all are in this process. Uh, what are the new and unexpected ways that the church, your church, is moving more deeply into its calling? Uh, isn't we're not we got to do more than survive here? We got to say, I love what you say. Don't miss this moment. What what is happening to us? If we don't reflect on that. We'll just be trying to survive with moving through it, moving through it, and not reflecting on it and what that could do to change us. Well, you know, one of the things that I've been doing is having regular meetings, of course, with my staff via Zoom. And um, one of the discussions that um, we continue to have is how to be the church during this pandemic and after the pandemic. What does it mean for us to be the church? Right now, we are totally online. I don't know how long this is going to last. And so we've been talking about how to engage and disciple people online, how to speak deeply to the needs of people and to empower them online, to do the work of ministry beyond this time. See, my dream is that that we will be an even stronger, better, more equipped and more empowered ministry. I'm not talking about just Ray of Hope, but I'm talking about the church. To do what the church is called to do, to go into the world and make disciples, to meet the needs of the least of these, 
to care deeply about justice, to, I shouldn't say attack, <laughs> but to, yeah, pull down some of the unjust systems, not some of them, all of the unjust systems that exist in our nation and world, and that this pandemic has made so real to us once again. Yeah, the inequities that we are seeing in, in terms of race, the disparities in terms of poverty and class. And so the church cannot go back to business as usual. We, we won't go back to business as usual. When I have discussions with some of my members, they're not ready to come back to a building. They're not going to come and sit into a pew. There's too much fear, and we're still working through that fear. One of my colleagues, one of our colleagues, every time we talk on the phone, she says to me, she's leading a church of about 19,000 people, although 19,000 don't show up on Sunday, but a good 6,000. How am I going to pastor this church? Are these people coming back? Or will I have to do service <laughs> preaching from my living room like I'm doing right now? So you're, you're in Decatur, Georgia, and, and you've just shared deeply about Sabbath and rest. But in Georgia, as you know, Governor Kemp has famously decided to reopen the state and certain businesses and the mayor of Atlanta wasn't even informed. Uh, another woman of color leader wasn't even told. Uh, and despite pushback from public health officials and even the president. So as your state reopens, uh, you're a faith leader, a leader in the community uh, and the nation. So what is your, you have to figure out your plan for protecting your congregation, or protecting your neighbors as best you can, having to share to us about rest and Sabbath. How do you, from that rest and breathing and reflection, how do you then move into what you have as a very concrete situation that people are literally following across the country? What's happening in Georgia? Well, literally, I have defied the governor's <laughs> instructions um, because I've said to him, not um, physically, I've not had an opportunity to talk to him physically, but just in the spirit, sir, we are still on an order to stay in place. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to have service with 10 people or less and stream that service out to our community. That's what the pastors here have decided. Most of us have decided that we're not going back before June 1, if then. Because to do so, given the fact that we're not sure Georgia has peaked, and we certainly know that we do not have enough tests available to help us keep us safe, we can, can't endanger the lives of our members. And so as I talk to my colleagues, we've decided that we will stay in as long as we can. And the people are with us. I've told my people, do not get your hair fixed. Don't go to the barbershop. <laughs> you don't need your nails and feet done. You certainly don't need tattoos at the risk of your health and perhaps your life. So the person I'm following, yes, he hasn't actually told the churches to open up yet. But I'm telling my people, they don't need to go to restaurants and sit down to eat at this time. I think we're moving too fast. So prayer and rest and Sabbath 
you come out of that and you defy the governor. So Walter Brueggemann, who you know well, uh, talked about Sabbath as, Sabbath as resistance. What did he mean by that, Sabbath as resistance? How is Sabbath really a form, yeah, of resistance? That was a term that I, I really struck me, Sabbath as resistance. How is how is Sabbath itself, the idea of Sabbath, an act of resistance in a time like this? I think it's an act of resistance because it is counter culture. The culture wants to move and be active. We want to get the economy going again. And I do understand all of that. But this is a time that we need to be still to pull back for as long as we can the activity will come again. And so for me, the resistance comes in not following what may be popular or what the governor thinks, or even the president, if he thinks we need to get moving. That's how Sabbath for me is resistance. It's saying, no, I will not do that. I will just be still until I hear from God, as well as see the evidence that we can safely move back into place. And as you say, act on the things that we've seen, we've have been revealed and made very clear about what needs to change those systems that have been there for a long time, but have made this suffering very unequal suffering. Uh, this disease has been distributed, particularly to those who are more vulnerable. So, so how do we change that as part of our reflection during the Sabbath time? How do we act, as you said before, to pull down those systems after this health crisis subsides? I don't think we have to wait. I think, Jim, you, <laughs> you're still operating. I am still operating. We are still speaking up. Half of the Zoom calls I've been on have been justice calls. And people are fired up and ready to go. And we are continuing to ask our members to use Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to speak out and voice their resistance to the policies that continue to oppress people. I was on a call that you convened in Georgia with pastors to, to save and protect this election. Very practical very much about justice and disenfranchising people. So you come right out of Sabbath and rest to protect an election. That's exactly right. You come right out of Sabbath and rest to meet at the church. The members of the church meet at the church with the appropriate safety gear on six feet apart to receive food and gift cards for people who do not have to then distribute them at the extended stay hotels in our community, senior citizens' homes, apartment complexes, where people have a need. You come right out of that Sabbath or that rest to take a stand for righteousness and justice. We have to figure out in Georgia, as you're aware, how we're going to vote. But in the meantime, my church has adopted our precinct and so we're sending notices to them saying, vote if you woke. We're reaching out to those people, getting them ready, <laughs> telling them just exactly how 
they can vote now. If that changes, we'll send them another card telling them how they can vote. And so we're not wasting this time. As a matter of fact, we have more strength because we have taken a time to rest. So your name, the church, <laughs> your pastor, Ray of Hope, uh, that's, that's, that's a great name, but that's, that's really, um, that's a name worth living up to. So I thought this would be an appropriate, maybe final question, uh, given Ray of Hope Church, but you pastor, what signs of hope are you seeing already in the midst of these difficult hours? Where are the, the, the rays of hope that you're beginning to see and feel in your community or even around the country? I don't think I've seen such an interest in years in prayer. When you go on the social media outlets, you see people asking for prayer. You see people sharing services. My colleagues and I just got off a Zoom call with IC3 pastors, and we talked about the fact that we've never seen so many people on our live broadcast before. People are joining the church, coming back to church online. And so there is a sense of revival taking place. And that, of course, stretches us as pastors and ministers to figure out how do we harness this and continue the revival after the pandemic? I believe that, you know, I always say this is one of the best times to be alive as well as in ministry. We just have to seize the moment, seize the day, carpe diem, and not let it pass. And that's why we need rest, because God has to reveal to each of us what is our unique calling. We can't do it all. Remember, Jesus didn't try to do it all. Jesus did what Jesus was assigned to do, and we must do what we're assigned to do. That's why we have to have rest. That's why we have to get still. That's why we have to hear from God. So we know specifically what we're called to, and then we can get to it hmm. and yeah. do it. Well, you called for prayer. So I wonder if you could offer a prayer at the end of our conversation here, a prayer of rest and Sabbath and that kind of reflection leading to action for the weary uh, who who are, so many of us are in this time where we're trying to fight the uncertainty and the weariness. And yet we want to see this as a time where the rays of hope come streaming through. So maybe you could offer our listeners uh, who heard all this a prayer uh, for the weary in these times. Great and awesome God, we thank you that you are both a father and a mother God. You're our refuge and you're our strength. You're a present help in times of trouble. You know us intimately, God. You dig around in our hearts and minds. You see the weariness. You see the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, that even those of us who are women and men called by your name are feeling right now. God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of my precious colleagues. Speak peace. Speak calm. Speak joy to their sadness. Remind them, O oh God, 
that they are loved and precious in your sight. Help us, oh God, to have the courage to stop, to slow down, to rest, to breathe, to be renewed. Help us, oh God, to take the time that we need so that we can keep on doing the ministry to which you have called us. What an assignment you have given us to represent you in the world. You said that we are the light of the world. There is so much darkness all around us, but you called us to be the light. Give us the courage, God, to rest so that the light can continually shine brightly and make a difference in the lives of your people here on earth and indeed all people. Thank you, God, for this moment. Thank you, God, for hearing each of our prayers. Remind us, God, that we are not alone, that you are with us, and that we have an untold number of brothers and sisters who are on the journey with us. Keep us strong. Keep us faithful. Keep us fighting so that we will impact and transform this present world into your kingdom. It's in your strong and mighty and yet gentle name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. Cynthia, for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. I am so glad I had this opportunity. To hear more from Cynthia, follow her on Twitter at S-O-R-O-R-C-Y-N. For news and resources and reflections about our current public health crisis, visit Sojonet slash coronavirus. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with your friends and family and enemies even. Jesus calls us to love them too. And what better way to love someone than to share a conversation like this? We're available on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and follow me if you'd like on Twitter at Jim Wallace. This is Jim Wallace with the Soul of the Nation. God bless you.